Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if you're comfortable, I'm comfortable. All right. <laughs> are we recording now? We are recording now. So welcome everybody to Nanya. This I am with Brian Feldblum, and please, Brian, take it away. What's your name? What's your business? Sure. My name is Brian Feldblum, and I am the owner of Naturally Urban Pet Store and To Your Door. Like, what is Naturally Urban, and like, what makes it so great? Sure. So, Naturally Urban, when we usually talk about our elevator sales pitch, is uh, we're a local pet store and delivery service in East Vancouver in the Chinatown. Um, and we usually what we'll do is we'll say that we offer two and a half percent of every purchase goes to a local charity of your choice. Uh, we offer great customer service. We have, I think, over 400 five-star reviews. Um, so. And, and so with, with these charities, do a lot of people have animal charities specifically in mind? Sure. So what we do is we have certain charities that we work with Mm. and in the past what would happen is we would start building relationship with the local charities and the mindset was is that with the local charities we were hoping that they were going to be able to go out and promote promote us to their proponents because therefore the more pet food that they buy from us the more money we raise for them and uh, through time we've learned over the years that uh, the charitable organizations are lovely and great, but they're not necessarily the best marketing uh, people to go out and really push the product, uh, okay. except for um, charities like the Vancouver Orphan Kitten Rescue. We love them. Uh, they basically, every time you adopt a kitty from them, they will tell you to purchase your pet food from us because 2.5% can go back to them. Right, so in okay. that type of environment, it's a really good setup. Um, and other areas we have a little bit of promotion and definitely people recommend us but it doesn't have the same you know it just doesn't have the same pickup um and the way that we work now is we've just started working with a a company called gives which is based in the states and what they've done and they i think it's, it's it's ingenious so what they've done is they've created a platform so that every time you make a purchase from naturally urban or from any other e commerce uh they will track down and they will actually collect the amount of money that uh, you want to donate to the local charities oh. and they allow you to choose any charity um, that is part of the PayPal giving fund. The little issue right now is that it's only US PayPal giving fund and then the charities that we have preferred partnerships they've added into the system but hopefully all the Canadian charitable organizations that are part of the PayPal giving fund and the PayPal giving fund basically has every single major or not major just every single charitable organization um, that exists in Canada. Okay. So you'll have, when, with us, what will happen is you'll see our preferred partners, and then it will also say at the bottom there, hey, if you want to uh, donate to a different organization. Pick your own. Pick your own. When, uh, uh, okay. when the, the crisis started in Ukraine, uh, we obviously thought that was a really important uh, you know, situation. So what we ended up doing was, and we didn't advertise this to anybody, but we sent a message out to all of our customers saying, hey, we concern, we're concerned about what's going on over there. We added a couple organizations that had, you know, boots on the ground, um, that had great reputation. We added a few international organizations to our, our fund. Um, and we said to them that uh, any donations that they would do at 2.5% to those organizations, we would double that. So we made it 5%. Oh, wow. Um, but once again, it was something that, you know, it's important to us and we wanted to support it and we wanted to share that with our community. But at the same point, we didn't want to use this as a marketing ploy. Hey, come to us and we're going to give more money. Like it just, it, that doesn't sit well with us. Yeah. Well, I think that is probably the most authentic way to actually help. Right. Right. Because if you're just leveraging crises, that, that's, 
that's a difference right exactly and that and that's yeah. we don't ever want to come across that way we want you know since the day you know i started the business my business has always been focused on being a a business for good um so we've always focused on you know we are a living wage employer as well um we've always been donating to local charities uh you know we focus on great customer service uh you know our vehicle you've seen our vehicle the, the listeners haven't the, necessarily what's it called the kitty tesla right the kitty tesla yes. so we have a vehicle <laughs> that is a, a tesla and uh, it actually has ears on it so that it looks like a kitty cat. You can happily check it out online, you know. If someone doesn't, if they're not familiar with what that's all about, now they're going to know. For sure. <laughs> oh, that's Brian's car. <laughs> There you go. Oh. It's not some weirdo that just thought he would make his Tesla look like I just like love it. cats and yeah. Teslas. <laughs> but you don't not. <laughs> no, I, I have a cat, yeah. I love, but I wouldn't, you know, make my, my Tesla into a cat for just my own personal pleasure. But, uh, you know, so the, the Tesla is electric vehicle, so we focus on, you know, making sure that we're, bottom line is we care more about the community, Mother Earth, our customers, our team members, uh, than we do maximizing profits. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think that probably resonates really well with not only your, like, your partners, but your customers as well. Right? Sure. Because, like, I mean, especially Vancouver, like, everyone's looking to to be more involved with, you know, morally conscious businesses. Like, Absolutely. You know, morally led businesses. Absolutely. So. And we're and we're that we fit into that as well. Like, the brands that we sell as well are only. Uh, brands that we believe have quality ingredients in their products. Mm. We do a really strong focus on on Canadian brands. However, we also have a couple of international brands that we really like because um, they also, there's a couple, one called Raw's, another one called Alma, where their business model is, is that 100% of the proceeds go towards charities. So the all profits, like they're, they're, they're companies where all profits go to charitable organizations. Okay. They're a little bit different on each of them. They're not non-profits. They're not non-profits. They're for profit. Wow. And this is where, this fits into what our ethos is all about. We're, we all, you know, my philosophy is that we really do believe on profit for good. Um, you know what I mean? It's, the world can change and I think the world will change by businesses trying to be better um, and not necessarily through nonprofits. Nonprofits are great and charities are great and they have their place, um, but I really think the real change in this world will happen is when businesses, and they're doing it, it's, you know, we're not just the one and only, but that are trying to do for good. Yeah, and, and what, so what, so why pet food? Like what, like, first of all, how long have you been running Naturally Urban. Sure. So we started nine you, years ago. And you, you, you're the inception? I, so I'm the owner. I'm the founder. I'm the creator. Um, I have to give lots of props to, to Chris McRonnie, who's been there pretty well since day one. Um, he's been with me. He, you know, he's not a business partner. However, he is an integral part of this business and has been there since the beginning. Um, and so the gist of it is that I used to be an executive for Flight Center and, you know, working executive hours, working until 7, 7.30 at night or whatnot. Um, what ended up happening was I used to have to rush home after work, get to the pet store, and then, uh, you know, the store would usually be closing or whatever. And then I'd get there and I'd try to get the food that I wanted and they'd be sold out of my product that I wanted. I then had to deal with finding something different at the last minute. I ended up having to pay more money and it wasn't what I wanted. And I was just like, there must be a better way. And at that time, there really wasn't. There was a, there was a lady that was doing it out in the Lower Mainland, but there wasn't anyone really doing it in the Vancouver area, doing deliveries. Obviously, 
you know, way before yeah, COVID and all, all those things. So we were, you know, we just said, all right, let's try to solve a problem that I have and trying to create the, uh, the delivery process. So I kind of took my business acumen from, from, from being an executive at Flight Center and dealing with supplier relations and started trying to build relationships with the suppliers and, and the pet industry as a whole or the pet food industry as a whole is a very closed knit market. So it's very protective. Really? And uh, yeah, so you kind of have, and not to get too much of the details, but you kind of have like three types of pet food that you usually can buy. One of them is you can buy the grocery store one. And then as a general rule, they're kind of the lowest quality ingredients. The big box The retailers. big box. Well, the big box is something separate. So oh. you have the grocery. So you have grocery, which you're going to have a lot of brands that are going to be not quality ingredients. Um, and then you're going to have the big box. So the big box is going to be something like a PetSmart um, or a Petco uh, yeah. or something of that sort, where they are going to have a little bit of a crossover between the grocery and then you're going to have the the specialty local natural pet stores okay so the kind of the three different levels right and so each of those brands each of those suppliers each sorry each of those retailers do not generally sell all the other products right okay. so we would not we sell nothing that you would ever buy in a grocery store yeah there are a lot of local pet stores that would but we don't believe that their ingredients are quality ingredients and products that we want to sell. Um, and then the big box in the middle, they kind of go on both sides. So they'll do a little bit of the grocery store and then they'll sell a lot of some stuff that you can get in a local pet store as well. I imagine they would just cater to the area, right? Like, so if they probably just have more local, organic, just better product, better quality product in a place like Vancouver where people care more about that stuff. Like, Sure, that, that definitely, that 100%, that definitely... Yeah. Uh, happens um, but you know some pet stores just kind of want to get everything and anything and they want to try to cover all the bases so okay. that they can get as much customers that they can whereas we're kind of we we have something available for all all customers out there mm -hmm. however we just focus on making sure it's going to be either quality ingredients it's going to be Canadian um, or it's going to be a business for good okay and so what what are some things like when it comes to ingredients like I've seen some videos of some of these big box brands and some of the ingredients that they put in their pet food is just like disturbing. Sure. It's, it's shocking. And, and have you done a lot of research into that? Like, do you know the kind of crap that they put in right. these, these, some of these brands? Yeah, we, I do. I, I don't want to say that I'm a pet nutritionist. I'm not a pet nutritionist. I'm not a veterinarian. I haven't, you know, but I've been in the business for nine years and I've always been focused on having the quality um, ingredients um, that would be that our customers would want to buy. And as a general rule, if you read the back of the ingredients, it's pretty self-explanatory and there's quite a few different red flags that you can see out there. One of them is the word byproduct. Uh, okay. So if you ever see the word byproduct as a general rule, you kind of want to run. So byproduct is a, you know, obviously a side product of, of a meat um, generally, um, or it could be, I guess, a fish as well. Um, and the byproduct is usually something that's left over from the processing of it. Um, and it's, you know, it's just not necessarily... So hooves and eyelashes sure <laughs> and it's also the processing of it like you know and Nostrils. that's it, and it's it's an interesting conversation because in one breath we're like byproducts are, are, are bad right but then of course I'm selling right now we've got these from Newfoundland these cod skins so the cod skin is basically would be a byproduct of fish you wouldn't be would a byproduct be? but oh. it is a side like you know what I mean like it's what happens is is that they pro the people that are making the cod to be sold to um, 
customers that want to buy cod, humans, yeah. for human consumption, they have the skins left over. And so what they do is they take the skins, they dry it out, they braid it, they turn it into little chunks, and then all of a sudden you have yourself some cod skins. Okay, so it's kind of like an, an intentional production of that exactly. side product. Exactly. Instead of just like a bin of scraps. Exactly. Oh, okay, gotcha. So it's it's one of those things where it's like in one breath we're like, hey, we want to use the whole animal, we yeah. want to be sustainable, we want to do all of those things. Um, but with you know, when it comes to the sludge and it comes down to all of those things, that's why byproducts. We won't have anything that's going to have byproducts in it. Got it. We're not going to have any food that's going to have corn in it. Corn, as a general, is just once again one of these products that's just not necessarily good for the for the uh, pets. So we just throw anything on there. Um, there's definitely um, stuff like you just reading the ingredients, and of course, just like in human consumption, you really want to look at the most the first few ingredients on there. That's because that's what the most ingredients are. But like you'll see brands that will say gluten, you know, and like brewer's rice. So brewer's rice, brewer's rice is not necessarily a horrible thing, but you have brewer's rice is like broken down rice. So it's rice that's like, it's like rice that's like a second level rice that's going to be broken that wouldn't necessarily always have the same amount of nutrients as a, a whole grain of rice has oh, okay. in it. And so some of these brands, and unfortunately a lot of them are the vet brands as well. That's actually a second section, a subset. Um, you can buy the vet brands. They have uh, those ingredients that are going to be subpar. So brewer's rice would be like the mash, the leftover mash that they would use. And they throw that into... Into like the food. Pet food. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we, most, a lot of products will have grains, and then we don't have to go down the grain. There's this whole discussion on whether dog food should be grain free or with grains, because there's been a lot of stuff going on with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we definitely have products that sell rice, but it's going to be it's going to be regular rice instead of rice. Okay. And so when it comes to like developing the business with these things in mind, so not just like not just your moral guidance, not just like high quality, like what, because at the end of the day, you do your business, right? You got to make money. So what kind of concessions have you had to make to like, what sacrifices and concessions have to make to like still make money, but make sure you're on point with all these other attributes. Right. Uh, the, con the concessions that you have to make is you just kind of have to have a, a moral code and a line on where you're gonna cross and not cross and and uh the concessions you know i'm sure we can obviously sell a lot more products um but we just kind of try to keep our stick of the, you know our foot in the sand saying this is you know the best that we can do there's going to be examples you know right now we're in the back of the store uh and i'm looking at this clay litter and we sell one clay litter it's a Canadian litter. They call it, you know, organic. I'm not sure what really organic litter is, but um, the uh, clay, organic clay litter. But um, we sell one brand. It's going to be clay litter. Some people are going to tell you you don't use clay litter. It's not good for cats and, and all of this. And I'm not arguing or disagreeing with it. Um, but we sell the one. So we choose to, if we're going to sell something and we feel like we need to sell that product, we're just going to make sure that we're only going to be selling you the best of that product. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. And then, so, that's, I mean, I feel like that should be, that's probably, yeah, more people should run their businesses, to be honest. I think, I'm sure, well, you're saying, like, you, you only want to partner, you only want to become with, um, a business for good. Um, 
do you feel like more people are is it trending towards that like you said you were very optimistic about the world changing and in, in, in that way do you feel like more small businesses are moving towards that direction do you more feel more like big, big businesses are moving towards that direction like uh, with like you know business with a, more of a moral compass in mind is that sure is trending a certain yeah. way so and a hundred percent there is definitely a movement for businesses to do this i think it's i think there's a few different reasons why a team members want to work for a company that is doing good in the world you know especially when we talk about all the challenges with people trying to find people to hire uh, you know we don't have an issue and not trying to sound cocky but we don't have an issue with staffing here I don't think we ever will have an issue with staffing here because we pay a living wage. We care about our, you know, our customers. We care about our employees. And I think that, you know, when you're looking at a job and you can look at one job that's going to be at a company that, you know, doesn't have a soul or, you know, doesn't have all these things. And you have a company that's, you know, trying to do good things and, and trying to take care of their team members and stuff like that. I think that goes so much further. And that's why you have in the... You know, in Silicon Valley, you have all those places like Google and they have the slides and the meals and they have all these different things there because yeah, yeah. they're going to, people want to work for something that's going to, you know, for good, that's going to want to have that. So I think from a team member's perspective, it is. I think that uh, consumers now, especially millennials, um, you know, Gen Zers are interested um, in buying from the people that are doing good. If, every, if all things are equal, mm -hmm. I feel people will want to deal with a company that's doing good. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, are people going to spend, you know, 20, 30, 40% more to work with a, buy from a company that does good? Yeah, there will be some, but if, you know, if all things are equal, I'm sure that people would rather, you know, support the company that's, you know, trying to take care of. So the consumer, the market is just telling them that it just has to be that way. You just have to adapt that way anyways. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's evolving. Like it for sure is evolving that way. Um, and you're seeing it more and more. We've actually uh, applied to become B Corp certified. I'm not sure if you know what a B Corp no, certification uh, is. I think you may have told me this before. Sure. But please yeah. explain. <laughs> so, for yeah. sure. And I'm not, I'm, I have no means an expert, nor am I going to probably give you the best uh, definition <laughs> of it. Uh, but it's a certification and it's a very lengthy process of um, going through the entire business process of how you work and how you deal with your customers, how you deal with your team members, and how you deal with Mother Earth. And it, it goes through the whole list of all of that. And the goal is to, if you can get above 80 points, then you become a B Corp certified business. Okay. Um, there is a supposedly, from what I'm aware of, I'm not sure of the exact numbers, how many B Corps are, are right now, and it's been around for several years, but uh, from what I'm aware of, is there's more people, more organizations, businesses that are um, lined up and are wait in the waiting queue to become certified oh, okay. than there actually is certified businesses. Wow. And, you know, we've said our, they said it for us, we, we applied four months ago and they said that we'll have our assessment in a month from now. So uh, hopefully we'll become uh, the first B Corp certified uh, pet store in Canada. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's, so that's uh, in the works already. For sure it's in the works. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a no brainer for us because when, when I built the business from the beginning, it was always built on a, you know, a business for good. Yeah. So, so I ask, I ask everyone this, but are you, would you, when you think about yourself, are you a businessman first or are you a pet man, like a pet food? Like, 
you know, it, it's the business of pet food distribution. Are you one or the other? I'm a businessman. Yeah. Un- undisputed. I, yeah. I didn't know anything about pet food. I kind of, this evolution um, has been a learning curve from the beginning to, like before I was an executive of Flight Center. I literally, yeah. the way I started my business was I was a executive at Flight Center. There was uh, this missed thing that I needed in my life. And I just kind of started bit by bit nipping at the heels to see if I could make it happen. Um, you know, I don't see myself for the rest of my life in the pet industry. Mm-hmm. I don't, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm more hundred percent more business person who saw an opportunity, um, and what, and just kind of rolled with it. It literally has been a role. Yeah. And I, I did feel like that was going to be your answer anyways. You can, you can tell there's certain people that their answer would probably be both if they, probably if they're not necessarily solving a problem but more or less they enjoy it right and i'm sure you enjoy your your business sure but but typically it seems from from when i ask it's like people that are solving problems and very very typically it's because it was a problem in their own life that they're trying to solve and so like more people have to have this problem and that needs solving so and and so you were executive flight center have you run other businesses before? No. No? Okay, so this was the first, like, big... This is the first yeah. evolution thing, and it's, you know, we all have ideas, and I would kind of bounce ideas off uh, people, and uh, everyone would, you know, they'd get knocked down. My brother's, like, probably my main, my main mentor, he would always knock down all, any idea I had before. In, in, in a loving, constructive <laughs> in a, Oh, my God, way? completely in loving. Like, okay, it was yeah. just like, my brother is a chartered accountant, or a CPA, I guess, and a lawyer, yeah. and he's a very, yeah, he's very stoic, very thought processed individual. Um, and, uh, this one here was just like, he's like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And it was just kind of a, a back and forth, but I, I, I can't even honestly, I can't, I can't remember any of my other suggestions that didn't happen. Probably for the best. Hey? Yes, like, yeah. exactly. We'll keep those ones not on a podcast. Um, but, uh, yeah. Would so. you compare, so the business, like, run me through it again. So obviously it's, it's pet food <coughs> distribution, but like, is there, is there a model that, that people, uh, have seen in another scenario that would compare or is it like, cause you know, is it, is it comparable to like the DoorDash of pet food or is it kind of a different approach? Mm. The way the business started and it is a little, it was, a, it was different at the beginning because, uh, there wasn't as much out there and uh you know we started off as a delivery service a local vancouver delivery service and the platform that we use in those days was big commerce for now on shopify but we used an e-commerce platform so the problem is or was in those days all e-commerce platforms were shipping. It was just like this process of shipping here, shipping there, shipping. You know what I mean? Just okay, like okay, so like, you have to have a third party, involved. and you you would have a warehouse, but it would all be sh- what you weren't hand delivering the product. Right. Okay. So the difference was is that yeah, you just you would be shipping boxes to different places. But we were what I was focused on was doing a, a local delivery service, mm-hmm. and we used e-commerce as a platform, and it caused a lot of problems in the pet industry because because I was on a, the internet, because we were on an e-commerce, they were like, oh, you're e-commerce. Oh, you're, you know, you're Amazon. You're, you know, you're, you're there to just take market share away from and not. And whereas I was like, no, we're, 
this is our technology. We don't need a storefront. We don't need to pay the rent for a storefront. Yeah. Although here we are right now in front of a storefront. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't need the storefront. Uh, we just need the uh, website and yeah. we will deliver it from there. So this is what you were talking about earlier, how it's a really tight-knit community. So when you came along, you were considered the, the big exotic investor who was going to steal the market share because you're providing more convenience was that the impression you got well it was very similar it was everybody had always contacted all these pet companies manufacturers and distributors saying hey we want to be a delivery service every every tom dick and harry had contacted them and they'd always say no they said we only work with retailers that have a bricks and mortar store and zeitgeist timing wise or whatever that might be as I, you know, the way that I approached it as I reached out to all the suppliers and being a guy that did supplier relations, you know, just started developing relationships with the suppliers and just saying, hey, this is me, this is what we're planning on doing and, and trying to understand their lay of the land. And at the beginning there is, you know, all the well-established brands that are popular here did not want to touch us with a, a 10 foot pole. But the, some of the smaller ones that were, whether they were not local or whether they didn't have a big foothold in the market, were like, okay, well, we'll work with you. And some, some of them, you know, we just kind of built by built, built the relationship. And then we were able to get a few more on board and a few more on board. And then uh, eventually through the continual development of relationship building that I did with the suppliers, the big guys, um, or big people uh, came along bit by bit. Yeah. So even when you and I it was met kind of each, a slow oh, uptake. Totally. So there was a but, point when I we couldn't sell the top, the top four brands. We couldn't sell, and then what ended up happening was we eventually got one of these new up and coming brands to come on board with us, and uh, then we leveraged them against the other one. Yeah. Right. And then they came on board. Well, these guys, your big competitor is coming to work with us. So if you're if you don't, yeah. you're going to be SOL. And it was and I wasn't it would never it was never a it was always, "Hey, we're donating X amount to local charities. Hey, we are a living wage employer. We use electric vehicles." You know what I mean? Like we were always talking about we were never trying to talk badly about our competitors and we've never ever tried to talk badly about one brand versus another brand to each other would never been that it's always been on the up and up saying hey this is what we're doing you know what i mean we're not take we love profit we love margin we uh, are not trying to you know just take market share and squeeze everyone out we're not trying to ruffle the feathers on that we're just trying to offer a better service than what uh i we believe that uh customers are presently getting in the marketplace so it was so i mean to me that if I was a partner looking to get involved or like a retailer or a brand or whatever looking to get involved, to me, it would make so much sense. Like, oh, you're, uh, well, at the time, let's say you were a new guy and you're literally solving such a problem. And like, I would take that meeting in a heartbeat, at least the meeting and, and consider it. And so what do you feel was the, the big pushback um, from people that didn't jump on right away or, or, or were reluctant to I should say so my take on it is if you look at the number one two three and four top selling brands in the area can you say which ones they are 
Sure, I yeah. could say there's Champion, which is Origin, and Akana. You could say First Mate. Um, you can say Pet Curian, which is going now. Um, Open Farm is our, was the new guy or new person on the block. Um, and they were doing all, and they were, Open Farm fits so much into our ethos because they're all certified humane meats. Um, the fish is certified ocean-wise, the traceability, the, you know, they were, they ticked all the boxes of everything that we wanted to, and we were able to get them on board, and that kind of helped us get the others. Um, well, not all of them, definitely not. The bricks and mortar definitely helps with that. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I kind of lost my, oh, the thing, the thing, the, the, the challenge was, the way they got one, two, three, and four rankings um, was because all the other local pet stores were promoting them and loving them. Oh, okay. So what ended up happening is, is that if I would have opened up this pet store, you know, nine, ten years ago, they would have happily sold to me. But instead, I was pissing off every single one of their stores that was promoting them, right? Oh. So it's like, it's one thing to give a store to me if I was, you know, open up a store in Chinatown and if I did a little local delivery. But now... Instead, I'm going to not have to pay the bricks and mortar rent right. or staffing or all of these things here. And instead, I'm going to piss off every single one of your people. And they're very vocal in the pet store community. They're very vocal about wow. their competitors. They, there, there is definitely a desire to look inwards. Not even living words. Desire to look outwards and, and complain about this or complain about this and complain about that huh. issues instead of trying to say, all right, well, instead of me complaining about this delivery service, why don't I offer the delivery service? They they kind of just stayed in their own little in their lane uh, type of thing. So uh, that kind of that whole process of us. But I don't, the word disrupting is not, I guess it is a term. It's just one I overuse. I don't want to. Yeah, but I know. Disrupting. It's kind of one of those corporate buzzwords. Yeah, that, you like, know what I mean? But like I pissed yeah, off yeah. disrupting or I pissed off. You're not corporate, but <laughs> no. you have a somewhat of a corporate mindset in, totally. the, in the terms of disrupting the marketplace. Yeah, yeah. which is what I, which was what happening there. And because the pet industry as a whole is very much focused on their old you know, philosophies of what made them, what got them to where they are today. So it's, I guess that's, what it is is old, the old guard mm -hmm. of the pet 100%. industry, and and you're just like, no, you guys, like, we need to mature, we need sure. to innovate because like, especially like this world. First of all, if anything, you're inspiring other pet, specifically pet shop or pet to food owners uh, who have a brick and mortar. Like, I've done it. You proved the concept. Like. You've given them permission now to, to be just as competitive as you Sure, are. and they can get more market share. So, it's, you know, it's great to have one store, but your reach can be just so much further out. Exactly. So you're just Vancouver, but also, like, there's a lot of pets in Vancouver. So if you had a competitor, you might get zero overlap in customers. You might not have to compete at all because of the vastness. You know, you don't have every pet owner in Agreed. the city. I don't have every pet owner in my own building. There you go. So, right. Yes, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. You'll, you'll get a banner eventually, I'm sure. You put it over your balcony and then everyone, do you, you probably do a, you probably do like a discount for the people in your building, right? We don't. Or, okay. We don't. It, well, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> the whole discount thing is, uh, it's an interesting conversation. I've really been into um, conversion rate optimization a lot so CRO as they call it yeah tell me more about that because that's I do want to dive into the like more specific business details. sure yeah. so 
you know, I spend a lot of time, my podcast listening days, aside from this amazing podcast, of yeah. course, um, <laughs> is usually spent, if I'm not on my own, if I'm with my partner, we'll listen to history of new music, modern music, or um, and other ones, but uh, is listening to Shopify or CRO, which is conversion rate optimization uh, podcast. Oh, okay. Um, and one of the people I really like that's called The Good, um, they talk about discounting and he, the, the gentleman who owns it is, and I agree with him, is like, hates discounting. Um, and I shouldn't say hates discounting, but just the concept of, you know, you go onto a website and then boom, you get a, a sign that says 10% off. You know what I mean? You're already cheapening yeah. your brand. Ah, uh, yeah. And as a general rule, because we're already delivering to your door, we're donating 2.5% of every purchase to a local charity. We're using electric vehicles. We're offering you all this great uh, level of service. So I think there's over 500 five-star reviews uh, online. We don't want a discount. So what we do instead is on your first purchase, we offer a free treat on your first purchase. So we offer a value add. Right. We can't do they are when you listen to the podcast are the good. They they like talking about how So that this podcast is called The Good. The Good, yeah. Okay. I wanna uh, the I company it. called The Good. Okay. Um right. actually the podcast might not be called The Good, but the company's called The yeah. Good. Okay. They're based in Portland. They actually are a B Corp, not that that has anything to do with this, but um they yeah, they're just pretty much anti discounting unless yeah. there's a value so free shipping they're cool with free shipping mm -hmm. they're cool with you know offering a value add and there's there's obviously times to do discounting but because we are donating all the time we feel like that's kind of what it is we offer a service and we're donating so so if you're yeah so it's basically like why would we discount we're providing you so much value right so it's like why do you want it for less like you we're giving you like the best deal there is sure and the best value there is absolutely so I like that approach a lot, actually. I, I've never offered a discount or negotiated price for anything, like negotiate deliverables, sure, right? But that's a really good approach, just thinking about value added. And now it makes me think about like something I could do for next time. For example, like if I was contracted to do a right. set of furniture or a piece of furniture, right. then I'd be like, oh, I can, just something small, I can, I can throw in I don't know what it'd be like for I have done this as gifts before just you know with handmade furniture it's you know but I could offer like hey if you if you got this TV console I make custom coasters for you or something like right. a little tiny or little gift maybe added upgrade or, the material for the there you go you know offer the leather to be whatever it is I'm not sure if you use leather or not but uh, what you know what I mean like you would offer right. some sort of extra added on there and once again that's that's to get people to try us the first time because after the first time you know it's like the first time free right type of thing so mm -hmm. we uh we offer the the discount we don't offer the discount but we offer the free um at that point because that's you know kind of the the mentality the treat yeah and uh, they get and then and then what you probably got these numbers somewhere but like what what do you feel like is the best um what do you call it? Customer. Customer. It's not. It's not. CRO. It's conversion rate. Conversion. Rate I always want to say customer too, but yeah, it's conversion yeah, customer rate. Acquisition. Conversion rate. Conversion rate. That's a whole separate thing, isn't yeah. it? But customer so, acquisition. Sure. That's well. This is part. 
conversion rate optimization is just part of the whole customer acquisition oh, process, okay. right? Gotcha. Like the conversion rate optimization is about you going on to the website, it's the moment you go on to that website, and then you convert at the best way possible. Like, so it's like mm. it's a conversion rate, it's all about getting on the website and then going from that website and then converting it to an actual order. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't have to be, and conversion rate optimization could also be your conversion might not be a sale, it might be signing up for a newsletter. You know what I mean? Oh, or, sure. Or it could be whatever it is. Like, mm -hmm. CRO does not have to exclusively be for, um, most often it's talked on an e-commerce perspective, yeah. but you know, it can be, yeah. It's just, and it's all about the flow. It's all about, you know, and I'm, this is not true, but you know, making the screen pink or making, you know, it's like doing the AB testing yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and try to figure out whether, um, you know, if you make the button in the top left corner versus the top right corner, is, are you going to yeah. sell more? Um, right. And that's, you know, is the color green, you know, those type of things. Those are all things the that they talk about, the minutiae, yeah, yeah. but that's really not, it's more, yeah, it's more about the, using the going onto the website and making sure that you're uh, the things that you want them to read or do they're actually doing and have you found um, for your own business like a good formula for the conversion that you're looking for whether it be a sale or a newsletter um, subscription or like is it the offering of like an additional treat or like what what has worked for you guys in the past? so we don't have a full-fledged CRO process created at this point. We aren't, we don't have the volume, I think, really to, to do it. You can always do A-B testing. You know what I'm saying when yeah, I say A-B testing. I don't know yeah. if I have to explain A-B testing. Um, but um, from a, we haven't, we haven't really, we've done this little bit of CRO auditing, um, but we haven't gone down the rabbit hole of like saying, all right, let's have, two screens and we'll have one customer go on this screen and one customer go on this screen and seeing which one is the more that's a hefty process to it is a hefty process okay. supposedly nowadays it's not nearly as hefty um as it was google has come out with the tools i can't remember the name of the tool but there's definitely a okay. tool where you can do this type of testing a lot easier um but i think what's more important is the um have the knowledge of what you should be testing Oh, right, right. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I can exactly. test a green screen versus a blue screen. It's probably pretty easy for me to do that. Yeah. But what well, is, is that going to make you the most progress? Right. Or, yeah. Okay. So, so basically finding the most successful ways yes. to do that. Yeah, there is. The least, yeah, find, yeah, basically the thing, the, the small changes are going to give you the biggest strides. Agreed. Essentially, okay. And that's the, and it's like right now, you know, I, what I'm spending a lot of time at this very moment um, on is the is our Google shopping and our Google um, ads and our pricing because you know we the way our we ask our customers at the at checkout and some answer most don't but um, where they hear it about us and well over fifty percent of all of our customers maybe let's just call it fifty percent of our customers which is, which is a large percentage of it is Google okay what are they searching do you know well, that's Generally. it. They're searching all different things, right? Okay. So they might be looking for a pet store near them. They might okay. be looking for a certain product. They might be searching for, you know, we top 10 dog parks. So we have a couple blog posts that write about different things that we think our, you know, pet owners um, um, would want to know. 
Okay, gotcha. So, so but the, that taps you know, out a lot into SEO and, and whatnot. Yeah. Comes out the SEO, yeah. and it also comes out to Google AdWords. Yeah. So you know, we do a lot of we start. We have some Google advertisement and Google shopping. I think is a is an important one for us as well. So I'm not sure if you know the difference between ads and shopping. I haven't tried. I understand Google Ads. I haven't dug into shopping sure. at all. So yeah. whenever you type in a product on Google, you'll see some pictures of products. Mm. That's the oh. shopping side of things. Ah, okay. Yeah, and if yeah, you yeah. look at the tabs at the top, you're going to see all And that always images. comes up first. That's like right. basically the first thing. And those ones are paid ads. So right. Google ads. So, but if you actually go on the top there, you'll see ads, you'll see all, you'll see news, you'll see yes. shopping. And if you click on shopping, then you're going to see all the products that are being loaded into Google Shopping. Okay. And so the top part will be the ads of who wants to pay to be at the top. And then below that will be the uh, all the products that are being piped through that aren't necessarily paying for the ads. Okay. They just want to be part of the Google Shopping because Google wants to be that centralized place. So if you type on shopping, then you're going to be able to see what's going on over there. And so I've been gearing up our Google ad spend. Um, but what I didn't do and I'm doing now is making sure that the ads that we're advertising, we have the competitive price for it. Mm, right. So we've always been focused on our pricing being whatever the pricing should be based on whatever whatever calculations we figured it out. But if I'm, we're spending all this money for people to see these Google ads, yet our price is you know, $5 more, you know, if you're on the internet and you're just looking at a Google sheet, yeah. why would you? If it's right next to the the other one, and if you're not too worried about, if you don't care, you don't know, you don't know anything about naturally urban story or right. anything like that. Why would you? Why right. would you go to if it's fifty dollars through us or it's you know forty five dollars at Amazon? Right. Why it's would literally you? an image and a name and a yeah. price, so that's all you get. Totally. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. So pricing is that's where it really matters. Like if you're going to compete, if you want to be in on, that ballpark, on, yeah on Google or, or in that type of area. And yeah. we're and you know, and we're fortunate that the market as we were going, you know, we talked about how challenging it was to get into the market. However, it's also great when you're in the market because it's a lot more protective. So you don't have people or it's being it's and you can't use the word control because you know the manufacturers can't dictate uh, pricing, but mm -hmm. um, it's a lot more pricing is much more in sync with everybody okay. um, when you're when you're playing in the sandbox okay so you're not yeah so you're there's no there's one player out there that causes that's pricing is lower than everyone else's which causes trouble but oh, okay Amazon no no, <laughs> no. <laughs> can't say well I can say it's they're, they're, it's coming called Homes Alive and they they definitely have a very strong hold on the online presence and their pricing is quite often not in line with what uh the manufacturers have have as the manufacturers suggested retail uh, price. Okay, gotcha. Okay. And I, I wanted to ask you too about more like your entrepreneurial journey specifically. Like so because you said you started this nine years ago. Was it like a big was it like you you, you said you did you did your research, you you planned it out, you talked with people, you, you made connections and you networked. Was that all leading up to like okay let's start a business or did you from day one you're like no nah, i gotta do this i'm just gonna start a business and then figure it out later no, no? yeah I, and if there's anybody that is a entrepreneur starting a business and i definitely don't i'm not the most successful entrepreneur out there but you know my 
my opinion is doing what I did, which is keeping your day job. Okay. And, and yeah. doing your day job and trying to do all the things you can to see if you can make your business work into a business. So, you know, I started my business by reaching out to suppliers uh, on, you know, at work. I started doing the business. We started the business, you know, building a website and then having a storage locker and having a couple of bags of food in it um, and just kind of going back and forth from there all, you know, I started the business. We started the business probably in, I'd say, started creating the business in March, was probably open for sale probably in May or June. And then um, my job was made redundant, which was quite, timing was very great, uh, <laughs> January. So okay. um, through the process of building it, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I would not, and it was great because at that time I'm like, I want to try to develop this and see if I can make this into a real business. But you needed more time, so your 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 job was getting in the way of your work at that point. <laughs> it wasn't. It it actually it could I could have there would have been a you know there would have been that point. Mm. It wasn't that wasn't the point, but it was like it was nicely timed. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. And then what? And then how steep was the learning curve? In the I mean, you said you spent some time before you like went full in but like once you went full in what were some of the big learning curves like things that you're like oh man I wish I would have known this earlier or like just a or something that was really challenging to kind of figure out as a business owner I don't think there was anything that was well there's a lot of challenges I think uh running the business and I, there still is lots of challenges with the business but there wasn't any crazy learning curve that I had it was it really was an evolution like if I look at what I know today versus what I knew nine years ago obviously that that amount is, is massive but um, it was just you know one bit at a time like honestly it was like one step at a time one step at a time of course sometimes you're gonna take two steps forward and one step back but you know it's learning you know we didn't have subscriptions at the beginning, so I had to learn how, you know, how, how the whole subscription process works, you know, our inventory management, like inventory management, like getting our inventory right was a, a painful, painful process. Right. Um, and it, it took years and years and years and years to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, I wish I would have, you know, been able to meet the right people to help me with those things beforehand. Um, you know, I think all the heavy lifting stuff, I've ended up, you know, contracting someone else out. Mm. And I've had some good people, I've had some bad people, um, but the good people have definitely were able to help me, you know, get to those next uh, steps. But it was, it, it's, un, it's honestly building an e-commerce website really isn't that hard like it, it's, it was to me it wasn't it wasn't brain surgery I, i'm also very 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 fortunate um working at flight center as an example i was able to have these relationships with other people that knew a lot more about other things than i did so you just you just um so you're just tapping into the people you already knew and so um there's a term for that um is it power base? Do you, have you heard that before? No, I don't. I can't. If that sounds good. It sounds totally. Well, that was it. Like, like I had. I think it's just like basically your your connections with her and there and there's tiers, right? So I think it's called power base, but it's, uh, someone's got to correct me if I'm wrong. But it's like your strong connections, your, uh, which is probably your family, your friends, um, and then but it 
people you've been in business with before or you know got to know quite well and then there's the weak connections or 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 like weak ties sure something like that and so it's like people that your acquaintances people that know you or or you know and then there's the next tier is just like it's typically like the referral so it's like someone who knows someone else right kind of thing so and i have i have an amazing power base okay great when it comes it down. sounds good right that's that's probably that's probably Absolutely. what that's called. i'm buying what you're selling because <laughs> yeah. yeah so i've got you know having a brother as a charter county lawyer tick off of that mm. one of my very good friends Aaron. you think that's like a huge unbelievable huge deal huge deal into the business you know yeah. having someone not that the lawyer i don't need a lawyer and i didn't need an accountant well accountant's helpful but it was more um having that thought process was was very helpful for that um uh, my good friend aaron smith who is you know used to be marketing manager for flight center he you know would help me a lot with my marketing and my proofreading etc um and then i have my friend ruben who is a, a graphic designer um who basically creates everything that we do that looks kind of pretty yeah um, which it, the store by the way it looks very pretty right yes, now thank you <laughs> it looks and, great yeah and the desk especially the, especially the desk yeah. it's not as sturdy as it should be but yeah yes. um <laughs> but yeah like you know what i mean like i've just i was fortunate enough that i have these relationships and then it, and it goes on from that it does right. expand beyond that um but the, those people at the beginning um were able to help me steer me in the right direction for stuff so you say that's would you say like you're obviously determined like you're obviously like you can scrap like you can you can figure all this out on your own right you're resourceful enough for yourself but how important do you feel like outsourcing and and tapping into other people like how helpful is that to your business very uh, unbelievable like like are you talking about my immediate family you're talking about like immediate group or anyone basically outsourcing anything like so because there's some people that like I, i struggle with asking for help just generally but like starting to understand how like if i'm if i'm getting too busy that i don't have to say no or delay i can outsource now for example like or 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 small things like graphic design was one thing i'm like oh man i could do this and figure this out but it would take me hours or days or or or, yeah probably (laughs) or go on something like upwork and pay this person ten dollars to do a perfect job exactly what i want in in an hour right right so just like and it's not that i have a giant empire where it is like that is all i do but starting to understand like that how important that is and how sure. that frees up your own time like yeah you would say that that's that's probably crucial right? absolutely crucial and the thing is is that i it's very intimidating to say all right i need a graphic designer like jesus like that trying to find a graphic designer on upwork and just saying graphic designer mm. you're going to see i don't know how many thousands upon thousands of them and what one thing that I have learned is that you need to you need to shrink it down, and you need to filter it this way, and squeeze it this way, and shove it this way, um, and then something's going to pop out. But if you just try to find a generalist, you're not going to you you're throwing a you know you're throwing a bunch of things against the wall, and hopefully it'll stick. Mm-hmm. Like I, um, you know, a perfect example is. Um, trying to find AdWords, a Google AdWords person. So I'm like, okay, I need to find someone's Google AdWords. Well, I'm selling pet food in Canada and 
dealing with a person in a developing country really isn't going to understand pets in the same context. They're not going to understand the land of Canada or the land of Vancouver. They're not going to understand the slang. They're not going to understand how to necessarily reach out to them. I'm sure they do a great quality job on a entry level or whatever it might be, but they're not going to be able to speak that. So, you know, I started looking and going, all right, I want to have someone that does AdWords. I want someone that's going to be in Canada. We use Shopify. I want them to make sure that they're an expert in Shopify. I also am going to be doing Google Shopping, which is so, uh, there's a kitty cat here. Perfect. We staged this so well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, so all of a sudden, if you go into Upwork and you just start adding all of these extra filters of what's important, you then eventually, I got down to like six or seven people that kind of fit into what we were looking for. And that's probably, because I've been thinking all about niche these days and just narrowing down even what I'm doing, but even talking to people, going more and more specific. To me, it it feels a little bit scary, a little bit intimidating. Right. Because I'm like, my approach is just like, oh, I want to stay general because I, I can offer a lot. And, but then when I really think deep down, I'm like, but these are the things I want to do. It's actually quite narrow. Right. It's, there's a lot involved, but specifically, like, I could niche it down because that's what I want to do, but I don't want to limit myself. But it's, it hasn't really been an issue. The more specific I've got, yeah, it doesn't really slowed me down at all. So exactly, I guess that's just a testament to the process. But I suppose you would feel the same way if you're outsourcing work. You want like you're looking for that niche. It exists basically anywhere. Yeah, I know what I'm looking for. I need that. You know, trying to find a inventory management person. I had to find an inventory manager too. But like trying to find someone that understands you know inventory management and the system that we use deer and then also using shopify like you know what i mean i had to go to south africa for that but um you know what i mean it's just one of those things where it just takes time to going for the specialization i find is a uh, yeah it just it will help you when you don't have that person um in your you know you don't have your best friend or your you know, your buddy down the street who you know that does this yeah okay and then so so is it is was that ever a a fear of yours or is that something just like that just made sense to just to not worry so much if like it was outsourcing work was that just like a an easy decision yeah yeah it just was uh look i i just i know my pros i know my faults and i know that i'm not a master of everything um so i have no there's no sh- i have no shame in the fact that uh, I need to outsource and to reach out to other people um, to do things. But you know, there probably that, shouldn't be any, right? Like, yeah. if, if you're looking, if, if you're trying to grow mm-hmm. as a business, then yeah. I suppose that that shouldn't be something that should stop you. Totally. I still from... think it's important to understand and know, like, I don't, definitely not an SEO expert. Um, but, uh, you know what I mean? You need to know you need to know enough to be able to sit at the table mm. um, and to have those conversations. Know what will work, not how, right. but like why and exactly. maybe a little bit of what. <laughs> and question why if it's not. And just because someone gives you reports that tell you this. And I, I do find that all challenging. It's like we base our, our Facebook ads or Google ads or meta ads, whatever you want to call it. But the reports are given to us by them. 
Right. Right. So, so Google's telling me I'm doing. They're doing amazing. That's great, Google. Of course. Thank yeah. You, well, you time. keep funding them, so of course, right. of course, they're going to tell you you're doing amazing. And I'm like, it's uh, you got to take all that stuff with a little bit of grain of salt. And I find when people give you all these beautiful reports, right? Okay. When they're the, they're the people that you're paying. So you have to you have to know a little bit about it before you can just right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And um, um, I. Yeah, I, I kind of want to wrap this up, but uh, I, I did want to ask you um, more about, like, uh, like say if if you're talking to other people in their entrepreneurial journey, sure. like what what are some like the key, maybe not necessarily attributes, but like what are some of the key stepping stones or key elements that really you feel really helped the business as you've like, was there a milestone? Was there, is there like a personal achievement? Was there a business achievement that really made the difference to scaling the business, improving the business? Can you think of some like really big breakthrough points or something like that? Right. Um, you know, obviously your first sale is a, is a massive one. Well, more importantly, your first sale, that's not uh, someone, you know, right. Um, <laughs> like organic. Sale. Yes. Yeah, organic, yeah. you know, I think about those type of things. Organic sale um, is that, um, I don't know. I can't think of any like specific moments, like these aha moments, like, Oh my God, this is actually working. But, you know, obviously your first sale is going on and you know, it just feels like, I feel like it's always moving. Um, you know, we're getting close to our, our next target is a million dollar sales, and uh, we shall be doing that by the end of the year. Wow, great! Which, which is a which is a target that seems amazing, but then, you know, now it doesn't seem like like I really need it to be, you know, one point three million. You need to be one point four million. Right, right, right. So it's kind of one of those things where you just kind of you um, don't you don't really sit too long to to. Congratulate yourself, no, because because you have to open the next day, <laughs> right? And it's and I it's a pro. I guess that's a it's a fault or a pro. It's like you know you should you definitely need to enjoy and appreciate the the wins when they come. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's just a constant. Yeah, pat yourself and get back to work. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and at the same point, like I don't, I don't, I feel like for me, I'm very fortunate that I don't my work-life balance is great like i work here with adam and we just you know hang out shoot the shit all day long and i enjoy what we do and you know and then people always will say you know am i working or am i not working like it's like i'm you know i there's so many benefits to being self-employed and you know doing what you you know doing on your schedule um obviously it's not always on your schedule but uh there's some major benefits to that um and uh yeah i can enjoy it would you ever go back to employment, like full, like you did before? I highly doubt I would go back to working for somebody like 100% full-time, like consulting or doing other things. Absolutely. Working, like work, I don't have a problem with working for the man. Like That's not an issue per se, um, but it wouldn't be in a... I, do not believe I will ever be working Monday to Friday, nine to five. <laughs> yeah. um, does the idea, so yeah, does that seem crazy to you after you've been through this thing for nine years? Does that seem wild? Does that seem lunatic? 
It seems like something that I don't want to do. Right, yeah. So, yeah. This is like the polite it, way of yeah, saying it, right? Like, it's yeah. like they, I, I see it, and unfortunately... Uh, the one more question sure. is, um, what's your favorite podcast? That's uh, Nuna Business. Oh, no, gosh. Nuna? 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 This is the, the first time this is fucked up. <laughs> what's it? That's Nuna Business. Hey. Oh, oh, my God. Try it again. So, so that's your favorite podcast? That's none of your business. Oh, okay. All right. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Thank you. Oh, that's great. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much, Brian, for being on, my, my, on your favorite podcast. That's none of your okay, business. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>